It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark with your daily dose of Chicken Soup for the Soul inspiration. It's Friend Friday, and today we have a special guest, Kristen Cusato, who has been on the podcast before, and today we're going to talk about tips and advice for families dealing with dementia, which is something that affects tens of millions of family members in the U.S. and Canada. So, Kristen, welcome back to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. So, God, I, you're, you have the best voice. So, Kristen is a veteran newscaster, so she definitely sounds like, you know, a show business professional. But she left the TV business for a while when her mother was diagnosed with a type of dementia known as Lewy body. And her mom was only 61. And in the four years that her mother battled the disease, Kristen learned an immense amount about dementia and caregiving, and she became a fierce advocate for all of those affected. And I met her when she was in leadership at the Alzheimer's Association in Connecticut, and she was part of the impetus for our first book about Alzheimer's and other dementias, which was back in 2014. Well, then she moved back to San Diego, went back into TV news again but then was drawn back into the world of dementia care and research as the communications manager for the Sanford Burnham Institute. And then she went back to the Alzheimer's Association and then returned to Connecticut, where she is director of communications for the Connecticut chapter of the association. So Kristen, I was so pleased to have you as a contributor to our newest source of advice for family caregivers, which is Chicken Soup for the Soul, Navigating Elder Care and Dementia. So let's talk about your story and why it's okay and even recommended at times to tell those white lies to help out our loved ones who have dementia. Well, thank you so much for having me and thank you so much for doing another book because we had such a great right response to the first and there's just such a craving for education and information when your family gets hit with this disease. So I'm so excited that there are another 101 stories that people can read and listen to and really try to gain some important insights. So I appreciate that very much. You know, it really helped me having put out that book in 2014 because mm -hmm. I learned so much from it, you know, important things like not arguing about what reality is and that kind of thing. And then my mother died in early 2017 and we realized that my father had dementia. We knew he had it, but it was worse than we had realized because of course, you know, she was taking care of him and we just didn't see it as clearly. But having done that book back in 2014, which you were such a big part of, really helped me as a family caregiver. And so I'm hoping this new book will help people also. It just helps so much to read other people's experiences ahead of time so that you're prepared. 
And also to know that you're not alone. And I think that's the whole point, right? You don't have to go through this alone. And that's the whole thing that, you know, that we talk about the Alzheimer's Association. That's why we're here. We're here for you anytime, you know? Yeah. So let's talk about your story. Yes. Because it's one of the first stories I ever heard about (laughs) being a family caregiver because you had told it to me way, way back, probably in 2013. And it always stuck with me. And I'm so glad you wrote it up for this new book. So it was early on in my mom's diagnosis and she had been, we placed her in an assisted living home because it was not safe for her to be in our second story house. She kept falling. So I was there as much as I could be. I was there every day and I'd just been there and she called and she said, Chris, there's a man under my bed. And I know there's not a man under her bed because, you know, she's only 61 years old and a lot of the people there are probably in their eighties and nineties and can't imagine that someone could be under the bed. So she was hallucinating. So I just kind of slipped into a mode and and tried to validate this. Okay, mom, he's under there. Is he banging on your bed? She says, no. Is he yelling at you and preventing you from watching television? No. And I just flipped into my caregiver mode and my fib mode. And I said, okay, mom, he is there to make sure you go to lunch on time. So go to lunch. And when you come back, he'll be under Mary's bed. Having Mary go to lunch on time, that's his job. And I just realized at that moment that, you know, that actually satisfied her because you're validating her thought and her feeling versus telling her, no, mom, there's nobody near your bed. I was just there. There can't be anyone under your bed. You know, they're having such confusion anyway. So validating their thoughts and then making sure they're safe. I think those are really important points. Yeah. And I remembered that. And my father had a couple of conditions where he he was doubling everything, like he doubled people. And so he yeah. thought there were two of me, two of my brother, but there was the fake one. He would always complain to me about this man who was an imposter, who was pretending to be my brother and who came and visited him. And instead of saying, no, that was, that was actually your son. There's no, there's no duplicate of your son. I just said, well, that guy isn't going to come anymore. And when I spoke to my brother, he had visited you. So don't worry about that other guy. He's not coming anymore. You're only going to see the real version of Andrew. And we had that conversation probably, you know, 200 times about the fake brother. But I always validated it because there was no point arguing about the reality in the world that he had moved into. Exactly. And that was great. I'm glad you did that, Amy, because it's to the point where you have to go into their reality because they no longer have the ability to come into ours. You know, they're not trying to be difficult. It's the disease. The disease is is confusing them and making them think that they see things that they're not. So go into them and tell them that, you know, I mean, just thinking about, say, for example, fireworks or loud noises outside. You know, at one point my mom was was so worried. She woke up and she said, the bombs, who's coming? We're, we're at war. What's we're, we're at war. And this is just calming them down, right? It, it's not war, mom. It's a noise from over there, but it's over now and you're safe. And it's just celebrating that the war is over. I don't know. I said something to try to make right. sure you knew that she wasn't wrong and that she's safe. We're safe now. I really think that's key. Yeah. My father was so concerned about safety and he, I mean, now his dementia is advanced enough that he's not expressing these fears anymore. He might be having them, but he's not expressing them. But in the early years, he was obsessed with heat and he was constantly calling the oil company, including at three yeah. in the morning to bring more deliveries of oil. 
And then when we moved him to assisted living, he was very concerned about the provision of heat in his apartment. And so we would just keep assuring him that there was heat and he would have the repairman come all the time. But we couldn't say to him, you're just making up these problems. We, it would be more like, you were right, the heat was broken, but now it's been fixed. So now it's working. Exactly. Exactly. And then he would tell me that I wasn't me, that there was this Amy Newmark who worked at Chicken Soup for the Soul. And did I know her? And in the beginning, I would say that, no, that's really me. But then he would say things like, well, you might think you are, but you're not. You know? Wow. <laughs> so, I know. Although occasionally I would get credit for a visit I hadn't actually made. Oh, okay. And he would be like, you know, she was just here. I'd be like, oh, she's such a good daughter. You know? <laughs> and that's a good point too. I mean, I also mentioned, you know, I would go every day to visit her. And there was one point where she was so angry at me. You haven't been here. You haven't been here in days. Where have you been? And I had just been there, but she had forgotten. It's short-term memory disease. So I knelt down to get on her, her eye level and I said, you know what, mom? I'm sorry. The two S's, I'm sorry and you're safe. I'm sorry that I haven't been here, but you know what? I'm working really hard at my job and you would be proud of me. So just yeah, that was validating good. that, yeah. Yeah, because otherwise if they're told all day long they're wrong, it's oh. it's really demeaning and it's really disheartening for them because in the earlier stages, even in the advanced stages, sometimes they know, like my father about a month ago said to me, all my memories are gone. I don't have any memories. And I felt so bad for him that he actually mm. knew that. Well, listen, we're going to pause for a moment for a word from our sponsor. And then we're going to come back with more tips and advice from Kristen, because this is all stuff that everybody needs to know, especially if they're starting out on their own caregiving journey. So we're back with Kristen Cusato and her fabulous advice for those of us trying to navigate the dementia journey with our loved ones. So I want to keep talking about tips, but I just want to sidebar for a moment and talk about early onset dementia because I see a lot of it among people I know and at my father's memory care assisted living. I mean, he's 92 and I think he's the oldest man there. And there are so many men there who are in their 60s and 70s and women also who have early onset. Is this happening more or is it just being recognized more or am I just seeing it because he's in a memory unit? I think multiple things. I think all of the things, Amy. I think that there are more people who know what these 10 warning signs are now, right? So you are more likely to be aware, I think, as, as the word is getting out there, right? The awareness is getting out there on, you know, it's not normal if someone goes to a grocery store and comes back 45 minutes later and they didn't even get there or they couldn't come back or they sat in the parking lot because they were lost, you know, it's not normal to tell the same story four times in one hour. So making sure that you know some of these signs so that you know when to go to your doctor. So I feel like more people are getting diagnosed because more people are aware that there's a difference between normal aging and Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia. I also think that we are, you know, paying more attention to when things are going wrong for us. I think people individually are saying, you know, there's something, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my memory. 
and that and that they're taking their concerns to the doctor or reaching out to the Alzheimer's Association. The good thing is that you're seeing people, right, and then they're not suffering alone. The good thing is that they're getting assistance. But look at we're looking at research as to why this is happening. Why does this disease affect more women than men? Why does this disease affect more African Americans and Latinos than whites? So we're doing a lot of research into why these things are happening. And we're doing a lot of research into lifestyle as well, so that you know, you and I can incorporate good lifestyle habits so that we can reduce our risk. So there's a lot happening on the research front. So that's good to know. You know, you mentioned the Alzheimer's Association, and I'm so impressed with all the resources they have available on their website. Can you talk about some of the things that people can find on the Alzheimer's Association website? And remember, it's not just for Alzheimer's, everybody. It's for any kind of dementia that your loved one is going through. The association has something for everyone who's a dementia caregiver. But I'd love to have you give us a little guided tour of what's available from the Alzheimer's Association. Absolutely. So just go to alz.org. And that is our main website. And you can also call at any time with any question about dementia, our 24-7 helpline. And that number is 800-272-3900. And that phone number is for, hey, I am just starting in this journey. My mother was just diagnosed. I need to sit down with somebody and talk about what's, what's next, what to expect to, hey, um, my father is at the door with his bag packed at 3 a.m. and he wants to go home and he's home. What do I do? How do I talk him down from this situation? To, I'm worried about my memory or I need to vent because I'm having a really hard time. My mother doesn't know who I am, et cetera, et cetera. So that 800 number is so incredibly crucial. And that is really the, it'll just send you to wherever you need to go. We also have those care consultations, free care consultations where you can meet with an expert to tell you how to start this journey and the resources along the way. We have free education classes. And for the last year plus, they've been online, but we're starting to go back into across the country in-person programming. Classes like what are the 10 signs? All the way to effectively communicating, how to do those tricks of communicating so we can get back, you know, connect with our loved ones. With classes, we have support groups People can go into a support group. There are support groups for those with the disease, support groups for spouses, support groups for children. There are support groups for so many different kinds of caregivers so that you don't have to be to go through it alone. You get advice and you share tips. And then we have all sorts of research information and information about, gosh, everything from bathing to holidays, things to improve quality of life. So, and we have, you know, our big fundraisers, which are our walks to end Alzheimer's, which there are 600 of them across the country this fall. And the money that we raise from the walks allows us to do all these services for folks for free. And I think going on those walks is a great form of self-care for family caregivers also, because that's one of the things that is so important. You're not going to be a good caregiver if you're not taking care of your own health. And so many people take daily walks or a daily run or a daily yoga or daily meditation, but something to just take you out of the caregiving space for a half hour or more. It's so helpful because I learned that also. I mean, I just wrote an article for a blog about how when my mother died, I disconnected my home phone for the next four months until I could get my home phone number out of my father's cell phone. 
I mean, he still had my cell phone number. And so he could still call the cell phone, but I was able to turn that off at night. And he had AIDS with him at all the time. So if he had an emergency, they could call me and get through. Okay. But I just couldn't take the, the phone calls at three in the morning. I, I had to sleep. Yeah. And so with the cell phone, I could block him during the night, you know, but with the home phone, I couldn't. And so it sounds extreme, but you have to safeguard your own health or you won't do a good job. You have to. If you don't take care of yourself as a caregiver, you're going to implode. And then if you implode, who's going to take care of your person? So it's so crucial, you're right, to take those moments, take those breaths, to step away, to get somebody to watch your person if they can't be alone, to if you're visiting your loved one at their house with their aides or at their house early on or at their facility, and it's not going well for you or you're not feeling good, you can leave. You don't have to stay there for two, three hours. You have to do some self-care. It's so crucial. We, we have so many stories of caregivers who, you know, well, I didn't have time to go to my own doctor. I didn't have time to do this. I, did, I could only grab a quick thing. I couldn't to eat. I couldn't do this. I couldn't rest. I couldn't. And then what happens? They have issues. They have heart issues. They have stress issues. So it really is important to take care of yourself. Yeah. And you're not supposed to be a martyr here. You're a family caregiver and your loved one won't even remember if you shorten a visit one day because he or she is being difficult that day. You can do a long day the next time when you're having a wonderful conversation, even if the conversation is about things that are not actually true. Absolutely. And even, you know, I, I also say, say this to people, every visit doesn't have to be an activity. Visits can be listening to music. Visits can be quietly watching television. Visits can be holding someone's hand. You don't have to have a big act. Let's go to lunch. Let's do this. Let's walk around. It doesn't have to be that way. Just being with the person sometimes is the best medicine. Yeah. These are all good tips. I hope that everybody will go to the Alzheimer's Association website, alz.org, and also read Chicken Soup for the Soul. Living with Alzheimer's and Other Dementias was our 2014 book, and now our new one, Navigating Elder Care and Dementia. So, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. Amy, it's been a joy, and I'm so, so happy and grateful for you for putting all this information out for caregivers because... You know, there's still a stigma and we need to get rid of it that you don't have to do this alone and that, you know, people are living well with this disease and we just need to kind of switch our minds around as caregivers and help them live their best lives. You're right. They can still have a quality life and we need these tips in order to help them have that quality life. So Kristen, thank you. And for everybody listening, if you want to learn more about this very helpful new book about navigating elder care and dementia, go to our website, chickensoup.com, and you can click on the podcast button there and you'll see a link to the book. You'll be able to look at the front cover and the back cover and also see how to buy it from an independent bookstore, or you can buy the book at Walmart, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and wherever else you like to get your books. So Kristen, I know I'll be talking to you again soon because we just keep running into each other over the years. So thanks for joining us today. And I bet you'll be on the podcast again next year sometime. Excellent. Thank you for all you do, Amy. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. 
call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.